Zach, it's it's two hundred. This is oh yes, it is episode two hundred. Milestone. Put my hair put my hair on for this and everything. Yeah, man, I uh, got my hair cut yesterday in preparation for this. And oh uh, wow, well, well, what about the other hundred ninety nine guests that you didn't get a haircut for? Do you think they feel bad? Do you, we're not going to tell them. I, you know, the, the only the only guest that uh, I'm concerned about right now is the one at hand. To be on, Charles knows that I got my hair cut for this show. So uh, yeah, episode two hundred. Congratulations to you, Zach. Who would have thunk? I uh, I forgot that that was the thing today. Obviously, we talked about one nine nine last week. You know, the Tom Brady of podcast episodes. Who is the greatest number two hundred? I don't know. Just a we're gonna have to look this up. Well, it'll be Charles. That's right. I don't know. So, how do you guys know each other? We met at seven five seven collab. Okay. And it's interesting. So I'm looking forward to this show. Charles, welcome to the show. And, Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Uh, that's right. This is going to be the best 200 show. I, I promise you. <laughs> the best 200 show that you ever had. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I, you know, for the longest time, I saw we would we would see each other in passing and we would do the head nod and, you know, fist bump and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until recently that I realized that you, you had and have a position within collab. So uh, <laughs> I just thought that you were like a super, a super supporter of the ecosystem. So now you're both. So, <laughs> Wait, so you guys would go back and forth, just like dabbing it up, but it would never have a conversation or would you, there be conversations in there? There was is typically and jump in, Charles. I mean, it, was a head, always, it, was, it was a head nod. Like I, I see you, you see me. Yeah, oh, you, so you like had the, to the, be somewhere. I had the to halls be somewhere, of high school. Or, okay. or we were in. There was like an event that was going on, so there was just like mass chaos. Like you were doing a mentoring thing here, and I was doing a mentoring thing there. But mm -hmm. uh, and we've ever in in addition to the head nod, we'd always be like, "Hey, we got to grab lunch. We got to grab coffee. We got to gr grab whatever." And uh, we just haven't. What do you think the percentage of people that say we need to get together next actually proceed to do that? It's got to be like 3% of people that actually do that. Um, in our world, though, usually usually we kind of make it happen because there might be a, there might be a deal in the works. And you know, that's you right. Don't, you don't want to miss out on the deal. Uh, that's true. Money talks. Yeah, yeah. Tim is a whale. So you, uh, you want to you make sure you at least getting coffee with him so that's on that's on me that's on well me. no 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 and then when i saw that uh that you were going to be guest 200 i was like well yeah that's let's just talk about this stuff on the show so yeah. uh you know now <laughs> we can go out and have a, a celebratory meeting afterwards and we will make it happen yeah i look forward to that i definitely I'm gonna hold you guys to this yeah i'm, I'm, it, I'm we're gonna check in at 300 and make sure you guys <laughs> <have met. laughs> let's hope it happens or, before then you guys have met yes but yeah if we haven't okay. done it in two years, then yeah, we're not bringing her. Bringing her. Y'all are eggs. amazing. I'm at I'm at episode 190, and I've been doing my podcast for seven years. Uh, it takes it takes a lot to get to 200, man. So congratulations to you guys. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it is it's wild to think. But when when you're like you hear Rogan or whatever, you know, and like we you know, weren't there and multiple thousands you know yeah, but, you know they've yeah. been at it for a for a hot minute yeah but he's been doing it for 15 years he has zero yeah. frequency on it so you never know when he's going to do it he's got really long episodes yeah 
Um, it's interesting to like 50 a year is basically what we do every Thursday. That's what um, we commit to. We take Thanksgiving we, off. Okay. So 51, I think what, um, and if Christmas is on a Thursday, oh, I guess Thursday. we're not, yeah, but <laughs> you know, our birthdays will we'll be here. I've been on 199 of the shows. Tim has been here for all of them. So okay. I, I took a week off. I was, I just didn't want to do it that week. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what it was. Something happened. You got sick. Our guest got sick. And then we're like, I'm, I'm oh, yeah, one of the things that you that. learn about me, I'm right. just a street guy. And I was like, the show must go on, as they say. So I just talked to Jeff Johnson. Yeah. 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 So for our audience, what is the name of your podcast? And we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's called the What's a Revolution Show. Uh, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolutionary versions of themselves, where people can find and embrace the revolution in, within themselves. So seven years, uh, we've done you know extraordinarily well, um, interviewing, as I say, dope black men and women who are doing amazing things in the world, in their communities uh, within themselves and within the world. Um, been featured in Black Enterprise um, over the years. It's top 10% global uh, in health and wellness. So just excited about w what it's done and, and the people that, uh, you know, people that listen to the show and actually the people that we've had on the show. So it's, it's been amazing. You said the word revolution? Yes. What's your revolution? D define that. What's What does revolution mean to you? Uh, that's a great question, Zach. Um, you know, people think about revolution. They think about, you know, uh, bloody riots in the streets. I think about cataclysmic change within within someone. Uh, and then they take that out to their communities. They take it out to the rest of the world. You know, I think about uh, my own personal revolution and what it looks like for me to be self-aware. Uh, one of the things I talked about, like my revolution for this year is to not be a people pleaser. Um, and that's really, really big for me to really think about what people pleasing has actually done uh, and the impact that it's had on my life and actually radically shifting that, uh, that I am not a people pleaser, that I am, you know, working to make sure that I am really showing up in the world that is going to be best for me and people, people pleasing has had deleterious impacts on my life. So when I ask that question, what's your evolution is like, what is the radical change that you're actually trying to happen? trying to make within yourself or the radical changes you're trying to see for good in communities in the world. Um, mm. And it's an interesting concept because people walk up to me and say, Hey, I hadn't really thought about that question, but you really make me think about what my revolution is going to be. Uh, or somebody would say, Hey, let me tell you, Dr. Corbett, this is my revolution. I listened to your show and it really made me think about how I want to radically shift my life. What, uh, so what's, what's your take on that uh, in terms of, how do people find that that revolution? Is it an, do you see it as an age thing? Do you see it as uh, something that, all right, the pain is now so significant that something has to change? Is it, is it a combination of both? Yeah, uh, what's no, that's those are those are great questions. I think that people get to an inflection point in their life and they are looking for change. Uh, it could be, yeah. you know, I want to. I've been dealing with something for so long. It's and you know, at some point I've got to I've got to make the shift. Or like for me, I go back to the people pleasing. Um, I had to actually recognize what was uh, what I was doing and the impact that it was actually having on my life. And I think sometimes you don't actually know 
that you are, you know, and I'll say this chronically exhibiting behaviors that are impacting not only your life, but other folks life. And when you actually become self-aware with that, you can either say, okay, this is who I am, or I can actually radically shift my life. I can actually have a revolution within myself. But that self-awareness is key. And that happens in communities. You know, communities say we've, we've been we've been actually functioning this way for so long and it's had an impact on how we actually thrive or actually strive in our communities. And we want to shift. And what does that actually, what does that shift looks like? And who are the people or the revolutionaries that I would say that are actually going to make this change, you know, and looking at their communities, looking at the people who are involved in these communities, what kind of life do they want to live? And what are the amenities or things? And I say amenities, what are the things that they actually want to have in their communities to actually make them have a better life? And I think if we think about our entrepreneurship, uh, you know, how do we create livable communities for people? Uh, even if we think about Tidewater and, and that wonderful piece that you talked that you wrote a couple of weeks ago, is that if 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 we're going to be this big, robust, you know, place for entrepreneurship and investment, we have to think about our communities and we have to think mm -hmm. about what our communities need. And if we really think about that, the revolution can happen like what you're talking about. Like, OK, we can be this robust. We can be the Silicon Valley of the, the mid-Atlantic. But if we don't understand what our communities need, I don't know if we can do that. But I think that you get a really good understanding of what we need and how we get there. Yeah, it's fascinating in the sense of your points now and then how that relates to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm specifically founders, because out of the gate, you know, their whole point of view is I need to generate revenue. And that means any customer that is willing to spend money as possible. And you do have to, you get to the point where not every client is the right client, not yeah. every customer yeah. is the right customer. And you can't please everyone because you're just going to make your life miserable. That's true. And, you know, we, you and I, all, all three of us spend a lot of time with founders and, and really understanding. I, I, I say this all the time. If you don't know your core customers, if you don't know their pain points, if you don't know what's really, really, you know, like, I need to fix this problem. I need that this is a pain point. Then you're actually doing you and them a disservice and they won't come back. <laughs> they actually won't even be there. And so, right. yeah, they won't be there. So understanding that and the interesting thing about that, though, just to, to piggyback or, or to maybe even have a, a, a different thought of it is I think there's a time and place to know your target customer, but I think it's a lot later in the journey of your business than people say it is, right? So I think you have to go through a lot of trial and error to really figure out who that specific person is, right? And so you said on your show, you're, you're talking to men and um, black women and men, right? Mm -hmm. That might've been the thing from the get go. It might not have been right. And so figuring that out, like for us, it was like, okay, here's the type of people that we're going to interview on this type of show that has, has morphed a little bit when from before, from, from a business perspective, it used to be, oh, well, this was who our, who we thought our customer was. But then when we were exploring and having conversations with people, we actually realized it's, it's this person all the way over here. And so I think sometimes people will go too niche, too target, too quickly, and they don't realize that there is a, it, it could be completely different. It could be two sets of these these uh, customers. And so it's in the entrepreneurial world where we're trying to really formulate it to, to be this, this very simple process. I think we often are saying 
do this thing way too early when it's not the right time. And I think it screws with a lot of customer or a, a lot of founders because they're like, oh, this is who I'm supposed to be dealing with because this is my target customer. And they miss I, out. I, I think that though of, that going into it, people think what they they know who their target customer is, but they don't actually talk to their customers. Oh, that's, and like, that's true I know too. And, and we all three of us, we just push. You can't talk to your customers enough. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, exactly. you should know them in and out. Mm -hmm. So I think that that leads to uh, them by by them not talking. Everything is just hypothesis at that point, and nothing is proven out. And then therefore, well, starting a business is a hypothesis, isn't it? Right. I mean, it's like, but hey, I think I have this idea. And you've got to talk to customers to prove that right or wrong. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I I tend to agree. You know, our show over seven years has evolved. Um, you know, and one of the evolutions that uh, that is happening in the seasons that we're going to have this year is that we're actually going to have more women uh, on the show. Typically, the show is about 95 percent uh, men of color. Um, but what we are finding is that when I bring women on the show, um, they bring a different perspective and our audience is like, oh, OK, this is this is this different perspective that we have actually been clamoring for. So we'd like to see more women on the show. And so that's been us listening to our customers, listening to our listening to our listeners. Uh, I spent a lot of time with our listeners. Um, you know, one of the things that we heard it probably in year five was like, hey, we want to spend some time really digesting the episode. So putting episodes out every week probably wasn't the best thing at the, at the time. So we started going to every other week so we, folks could actually digest uh, hmm. the episodes because we have a long form. Usually the, our episodes are an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And so, you know, people are chopping things up 15, 20 minutes while they're in the car. So they wanted to spend more time with the episode. So we did that in year five and years, uh, year, year five, but then went back to, uh, you know, mostly every week in year six, because what we, what we also saw is that that was a segment of our customers that wanted to digest that. But other folks said, Hey, we want to keep going. We want to, you know, we listen intently and we want to, you know, we'd love to see it, you know, pop up every Monday or Tuesday that there's a new episode, a new opportunity for us to interact with the show. So that customer discovery can lead you one way or the other, but listening to your customer segmentations are, is also important. But I thought you weren't trying to people please this year. <laughs> that's not people pleasing. That's really listening <laughs> to your customers. Uh, yeah, I, I, I yeah. agree, Charles. I mean, uh, that, uh, I mean, Zach, that's the quickest way to put your business in the grave is not, you, I mean, you gotta, you gotta stay sure, true sure, to your, sure. you gotta of celebrate course. the, of course. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to make sure I was like, man, <laughs> it, it always amazes me how people don't know anything about like their customers, whether they're big or small, you know, a big company, like a lot of customers or just a couple. And it's just like, that's, that's like one on one to me. It's like create relationships first and yeah. then, and, and, and go as deep as you can with that. It's just, yeah. I, it amazes me that people don't, they don't do that. I'm like, this is how you keep these relationships. This is how you keep these customers forever. It's like create amazing yeah. relationships. Yeah. Like that's the key. <laughs> And we have we have some core listeners like that have been with the podcast, you know, either for a long time or have been with the podcast for a shorter time, but are really like truly engaged, like engaged with the YouTube content, engage with the audio content, comment. Uh, they're sending me DMs. 
So we spend a lot of time with them really hearing about what they want, what they liked about the episodes, what they didn't like about the episodes, what are the things that they want to hear. Um, and so it's been really, really good spending time with them. Um, and then it's really also like, who are our adjacent listeners? Um, I, I, you know, a, a show that is geared, you know, you know, that is centered around black men and their experiences and how they're being revolutionary and the, within themselves and their communities. Um, I have a very diverse audience that listens to the show. And once we found out that uh, this segment of the audience was listening to the show, we, we needed to find out. Um, and so we have a, a, actually a large population of white women that listen to the show. And we were like, that's interesting. And so, you know, we started polling and listening to, you know, our white women listeners. And they're like, we want to understand the experience of black men. Sometimes we're married to them. Sometimes they are friends. Sometimes they are community members. And we wanted to know more about their experiences so we actually could show up better. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Hmm. That's great. Yeah. I love it. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have got to continue learning. I mean, you you can't. I don't know, man. That's just I'm really, really big on continuous learning. I mean, that's just yeah. I am always trying to consume, consume, consume as much as I possibly can. Do you know? Do- do you know how much people are consuming media a day? This is just like content in general. This is like your stuff on your TV, your stuff here, your podcast, your books, whatever. Guess how much people are consuming on a daily basis? What's the average? Hours or percentage or? No hours. I would imagine six, seven hours a day. Okay. Charles, what do you think? Yeah, I would between six and nine hours a day. 11 and a half hours. Wow. Well, that makes me feel better. <laughs> Because I also want to, I want to experience life too. So, I mean, like I, uh, I try to, I try to put the phone down as much as I can and and be in the moment as much as I possibly can. Yeah. And the phones are created to have you not do that. Right. Right. Yeah. Have y'all ever heard of the freedom app? I know that here's, here's some free publicity for the, the freedom app. Um, I like you, Tim. Want to experience the world, and also know that the phone is the phone uh, is a huge distraction. And what the Freedom app has allowed me to do is to curate times, times, and specific apps that I can block during the day. So I only I only um, allow Instagram or Facebook, or I actually don't have a TikTok, but I will only allow social media a half hour a day, and so I can block those apps for 23 and a half hours a day. And so if I really need deep time, I can curate a, a certain list of apps and websites that will block when I'm doing my deep work. So I can't get into it. Mm. Like specifically, you know, I have a, a distraction uh, um, curation and I can't text. I can't get on social media. I actually can't get on the internet on my phone. I can only get on the internet on the computer, but I still can't get on Facebook. So it's a wonderful opportunity to be a part of the world because like you said, the phone and the way the the phone now is that you do everything there and they want to keep it in your hand as much as possible. I don't have the freedom app. I just looked at it. It looks really cool. I just don't have social media on my phone and people think that's crazy. I'm just like, well, I, I have a problem, you know, when it's on my phone, like, (laughs) no, like you look at like the, uh, what is it called? Screen time. And then you realize you're like, Uh I was on the phone. How long? On what? For how? This is, <laughs> yeah. Mm-mm. So I just, uh, I eliminate it. And every once in a while, I re-download it. And then the same thing happens. I'm like, I just can't have this. Like, it's it's not it's not healthy. And yeah. it's, 
it's um you're just going down like a rabbit hole of scrolling and that's all you do mm -hmm. and like there's nothing of value it's just nothing. it's just mindless bs and you're just you're getting nothing out of it and so it's just like you look you can't you can't do this and so if I am on it, it's or if 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 I do post something, it's because I literally went on my computer and posted the thing or scrolled it or something like that. And it's just, I mean, I still get on the stuff, but just nowhere near what I used to. And it's just can't can't do it. You gotta gotta be free. You're a, you're a strong one because I I I need to be able to block it. Like I'll I'll not have it on my phone, and then I'll download it. And I'm like ah, oh. and then all of a sudden I'm like, there's an hour gone by. I was like, nope. Exactly. So that's that's, that's why I have to block it. That's why I have to block it on both the computer and the phone mm. because I, I just don't, I don't want the temptation. Yeah. It's like, right. what did you do today? I don't know. Oh, look at your screen time. Oh, you were scrolling for 14 hours. <laughs> I mean, you, you donkey. Like. <laughs> exactly. And there's so much noise out there now. I was on oh, a panel. Noise. Yeah, yeah. I was on a panel uh, last week. Um, and one of the, one of the questions, one of the questions was, um, what advice would I give? What advice would I give black leaders at this point in time? Uh, and I was like, you know, stay out of the noise. Um, like if you're going to be an expert, figure out how to sift your way out of the noise on social media, because there are so many people, you know, and ironically, the three of us have mics in front of us, but there's so many people with mics and platforms. How do you be the person that actually stands out that people will actually listen to? And it's actually, actually, you know, putting out like content or that is actually above the noise. And that's the thing. How do you figure out what is above the noise? And you've got to do the research. But can you stand out with everybody pontificating about this is the best way to do this? There are here are the five tips to do this or the 10 strategies to do this. Like, how can you stand out and be the voice? And like one of the voices that I listen to. Um, her name is Felicia Hatcher, and she is the CEO of Pharrell's Black Ambition Prize. And one of the things that ironically that she asked this year that really made me stop, like, oh, she's like, what's interrupting you? You know, you think about the life that you want to live. What are the things that are actually interrupting you from having that life? And it actually made me stop. Like, oh, mm -hmm. I want to learn more about this. I actually even downloaded her book. Uh, her little booklet about like learning about what's interrupting me because if I if I can figure out what's interrupting me, I can also then figure out what the revolution is. And so that's the thing that was really interesting mm. to me. Like it made me stop. And I think as any leader is like, can you can you really really create something that people are going to stop and say this is the thing that I want to listen to? But that's that's what all this stuff is it's just noise right and so the interruptions to me or what's interrupting when you say that or, or when she says that i would i would think it's just all this crap that means nothing you know so eliminate that and then at least you can focus on the thing hopefully focus on the things that you want you know and subscribe yeah, yeah. to the things that you yeah. want i mean it's and so but that's yeah. but that's hard because we we are addicted to this mm -hmm. and i i think everyone is you know yeah and that's that I've been actually thinking about how do I curate when I do get on social media that how do I curate just the people that I want to hear? But, you, you know, there's always the suggested ads like I don't want to see this the worst, <laughs> you, know <what> I'm <laughs> you know, and just curating the folks that are really the experts that I really want to hear. Like another person that I'm listening to right now 
um is gary brecca you guys know who gary brecca is no he's yeah. so I, i'm i'm really getting into biohacking um and he's uh you know he's he's the guy right now that uh is really talking intimately about certain things around biohacking uh the wim hof method uh cold plunges uh getting your gene test so you can understand where you need to supplement things like that um so uh, again it's a voice because it's it's a voice that i'm listening to and maybe I'm allowing it to filter out of the noise because that's where I'm, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for things that are on that, that will get me uninterrupted. I'm looking for things that will actually let me live longer. So I think that's one of the things when you are trying to filter out the noise is that be specific about what you're looking for. And sometimes the algorithm will lead you to that as well. So, you know, as you get into the matrix, but you know, those are two voices that I will then lift up and actually listen to because I was like, this is what I'm looking for. And I want more of this content. What makes you so, um, Tim, he's um, Dana White's like, yep. guy. Oh, um, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Um, he's the guy who told him to do the fast and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So but he's not a doctor and he's not as medically trained as a lot of people would want someone to be. And so what what the, what what credentials or authority status does someone like him need to have that would allow you to say, okay, he's credible enough that because he's not as credentialed as, 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 as some would be in that medical space. Some would be afraid of that. Some obviously are, are absolutely cool with it. And in your mind, where is that happy medium of it's okay. This guy knows what he's talking about because of this, even though he doesn't have that it's, it's okay for me because that is an interesting stat that right. he doesn't have the credentials mm -hmm. as some medical professionals to talk about longevity, yet he is getting, you know, his 15 minutes of fame right now. And so, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? So the, the thing about the thing about me is what I'm going to do is that I'll listen. If it, if it entices me, I'm going to go do the research. I'm going to go do the research on you and then I'm going to go do the research on what you're talking about. And so that's I'm just not going to blindly. You know, that, that's the wonderful thing about, you know, the three letters behind my name is that I'm not going to just blindly accept information. You know, I'm going to go I'm going to go research what you're saying. And if, you know, if it leads me down and then the, the, the proof is there, particularly, you know, particularly around cold plunge. So I have now begun to do cold plunges uh, and take cold showers. Um, and there's a there's a wide swath of research on the benefits of you know, cold plunges and cold showers. And it's been, it's been there. It's just, he just seems to be the voice right now, but that mm -hmm. literature has been there for years. We know that athletes do this on a regular basis. I remember listening to Chris Carter, the hall of fame wide receiver talking about the longevity of his career and how he was actually, you know, had the ability to play longer and still at a high level with his younger peers because you know after a game on sunday he was going out to dinner with his family and he was picking up ice bags to go home and sit in a cold plunge so mm -hmm. yes gary brecca is, is is the voice right now but i think that we have to be cognizant and be wise consumers of information as well so that's why i like listening to him um but i've gone and also done the research on what he's talking about tim you like ice baths don't you <laughs> I've not done it. I, uh, I, I, we've talked about this on several shows. I am, and I'm always the one that have, I've not done it. So it's, it's fine. Tim. Uh, have you, what, have do you, you do it every day? Have you taken it? Oh yeah. I do it every day. Three minutes. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 I did it right before this.
What, um, what? So let's let's do a deeper dive for that for a second. Like, <laughs> what do you think the benefits for you have been? I feel like I look younger. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> okay, so um, I don't know that any of the benefits that they talk about are what I actually have seen. Mm -hmm. The one benefit that I started seeing, I've done it for about four months, five months now, and about every day for two months. And as soon as I started doing it every day, I started realizing that I was creating the hardest thing I was going to do mm -hmm. of my day yeah. every single day. Yes. And yeah. by the way, even though today was only 52 degrees, which is significantly warmer, I still didn't want to get in the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sure. so like literally I get in and I'm like, I'm fine. But for an hour, I was like, ah, mm -hmm. ah, finally get in. And then I'm like, okay, well, I've done it. I'm good. And so there's something about that creating your own grit resiliency mm -hmm. aspect yeah. of it, which yes. they don't talk about mm -hmm. is the thing that I've noticed. Uh, people talk mm -hmm. about alertness, recovery, things like that. I only see alertness when I put my head under, right? <laughs> and that depends on how clean the damn thing is. Right. Um, but uh, recovery, I think maybe a little bit, but all the other stuff, like just creating that thing that I don't want to do every day. That's a, that's a powerful thing. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're stunting your, your body into something that's wild. And it's not for everyone. I, and I get that. And it's, I definitely don't like the cult, but yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's unique. I don't even know how to really put it to words, <laughs> how, what, what that does. How but it's, you, Charles? Um, so Zach, I could, I concur wholly. Um, you know, if, if, if I'm thinking about like, you know, creating discomfort in my life and I want, I, and I want something easy to say that I've created discomfort in my life today, it is, you know, it is that cold shower. Um, mm -hmm. because, um, I talk about it on the show all the time. Like, you know, I, I want to love, I want to love that feels like warm water, right? I, I want a relationship that feels like warm water. Warm water is safe. Warm water, you don't think about it. You know, you turn that shower on, you get in, you lather up, you're good. glorious. Right. It, it, it's a it's a it's nothing like getting in tropical waters in the Dominican, whatever, warm waters. But that cold shower every day is a, you know, it it is a conscious thought. And um yeah, so it, for me, it is it is the start of I'm gonna do something hard to first thing in the morning. And I have to make a conscious choice, a conscious effort to do something that. I, and then for me, and I don't know if it for you, it allows me to make more difficult choices later on in the day because I've already known that I've, I've made one conscious difficult choice already. I've done that. Yeah, I can. I can. It for me, it helps me conquer some of my fears and it lets me it, it, it gives me a kind of that superhero accelerant mm. that I'm going to do the things today that I thought I couldn't do. Because you yeah, know, I do, I, them, I, I do them quicker. Yeah, right? I'm like, okay, yeah. I don't have to do that. I just, I don't have to wait till five o'clock to do this thing. I'm gonna do it now. That's, exactly. That's interesting. I've noticed yeah. that too. So you only do showers. You don't have a, a you have a tub or a, a no, no, right. Tub? So I, I, you know, I, I go to a certain place to get a cold plunge, but um, like okay. and I, that certain place is my mom's house and in the backyard. Um, so, but I do a cold shower every day. Yeah. Are you, are oh, you, I think the showers are harder. Really? Yes. Why? Because it's sprinkling on different parts at all times <laughs> and you can't get used to it where I think there can be like this Zen like moment where you're sitting in the tub. And so like, I just have like this plastic thing on my back deck and I just get in the thing and 
I get it for three minutes. I stare at my back wall. And sometimes <laughs> I close my eyes and just be like, can this be over? And uh, there, I, you can't, to me, you can't do that in the shower. And by the way, I think the shower is a lot warmer, but it doesn't feel warmer. It just, it's, it's, hmm. I don't know. I feel, I feel like the tub bath plunge aspect is, yeah, is powerful. But I, so I, 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 for me, the plunge is is a is a super duper challenge. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, this 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 is cold, but I feel the best after I get out. Like it is just ep, you know effervescent. Do you finish feeling. finish warm or are you just cold from start to finish? Uh, uh um, cold from start to finish. Mm. Yeah. So, um. I, I I have not taken a, a warm shower in a while. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I I don't know how impressive it is. <laughs> well, but as someone who likes warm showers, and that is super impressive. Here's the thing. Here, who here's the last thing I'll say. I've gotten friends to do this hmm. now, thinking about longevity and health and making and, and and discomfort. Um, as you all know, the more that we can sit in, I believe. The more that we can sit in discomfort, the better our lives are. Um, I agree. So, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I've tried getting Tim into it, but well, I mean, and Zach, you know, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like every day I, I I run every single day, so like that's my thing. And I've been it'll be ten years mm -hmm. that I haven't missed a day in June. So like, wow. that's, that's my that's my thing. Whereas like, yeah, yeah. I, I do the things that I don't necessarily want to do and. Do I love running? Yes. Some days I do. Some days I don't. But, you know, like when it's cold or it's super hot, you know, the, I, I get out there and that's kind of the same deal. Um, yeah, I do. I do some. I challenge myself in other ways as well. But uh, that man, cold water, that's a, that's that's a challenge. The hey. summers will be interesting for me because I don't know. Like my idea is just to keep going. But like if I can't get the water cold enough. I'm not doing the showers. I'm, I'm <laughs> Come not going to No, no. <laughs> even when I accidentally don't have it hot enough, I'm like, nope, this ain't good. <laughs> like, nope. I'm not like uh, that. I love, I love it. Just you know, just bald head. You know, just just get this ice cold. Yeah, I love it. It's 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 the best thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was, and, but I, I stay cold though. Like I'm still cold right now. Oh yeah. Yeah, there, there's times where it's like two, three hours later. Yeah. You're not from this area, are you? Yeah, I, I look, let me tell you. I am a green run stallion. Class of 89. Oh. Lar largest class, largest graduating class in Virginia State history. I Every day, stallion through and through. Uh, you know, we bleed, we bleed Kelly green, blue and white, stallion for life. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought that you had ties like with New Orleans or something. I, I did. I got my PhD there. I was a professor. Oh. Yeah, professor at Loyola. So I spent 15 years in New Orleans. So New Orleans is like my second home. My my accent changes when I land at uh, <laughs> land at uh, the airport. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, wow. Well, wow. What brought you like back? Uh, my patriarch was uh, uh, slowly declining. Uh, so my dad was uh, my dad was my best friend. Um, and my mother's an only child. My father was an only child and I'm an only child. So that's that's it. So uh, he was declining. Um, and although my mother's they were 11 years, seven, 11, 11 years, seven months apart, uh, she just couldn't take care of him. 
by herself. Mm. So um, I came back in August of 2020 uh, to mm. take care of him. And he passed September 16th, 2022. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's. Well, that that fills in a lot of blanks in terms of uh, <laughs> your backstory, because, uh, yeah. So and that's one of the things that I wanted to be able to talk about mm -hmm. uh, when when we eventually meet coffee, uh, meet up for coffee or whatever it is, just, um, you know, what what that story is. And you yeah. have senior venture partner partner in your name. And, uh, you know, in terms of like, how did you get involved in, in that aspect um, of your career? So it's, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember the, the baby, the baby who stumbles into a construction site and gets up on a beam and all of a sudden this beam rises. And then at the, the baby's just crawling on this beam. And every time the baby's about to fall off, there's another beam that comes and the baby just walks onto that beam and the beam takes him to you know, another part, the baby's about to fall off that beam, another beam comes. That's kind of been my career. Um, mm. I started off, you know, I, I started off as a school teacher. Uh, I was a middle school teacher and baseball coach at Great Neck Middle uh, the, fir the first five years I was teaching. And then I taught, uh, I was a JV baseball coach at, uh, and I taught psychology at Green Run High School. So those are, those are the best, you know, early career moments that I had being able to coach baseball and teach history and psychology, especially at Green Run. I loved it. It was one of the best times of my life. Um, I was doing a mentoring uh, class uh, for young African-American males. And um, I remember we watched Malcolm X and I asked him, you know, we, we did a debrief after that. And I asked him, I was like, well, who's your Malcolm X? And they were like, you, you're our Malcolm X. You're the one who's leading us. Like, but one of the kids was like, this is not big enough for you. Like being a, being a teacher here with us is not big enough for you. You're bigger than this. And I'm like, who are y'all? You're 15, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old to be telling me. And I was in my thirties at the time telling me that this isn't big enough. Um, but it made me think it really, it really made me think. And so I was like, well, how do I get bigger? So I applied to uh, grad school. Um, the first year I applied to 10 schools. Got it. Did not get accepted to any of the 10 because I, th I thought it was just like, you know, going to graduate school. I mean, undergrad, you apply, you get accepted. Well, that wasn't the case. Relationships are everything, as you know. Um, so I applied the next year, built relationships with uh, professors around the country who were doing research on the, the things that I wanted to research. Applied to Tulane, University of Maryland, University of Chapel Hill and Arizona State. Got into all four. Who who doesn't want to live uh in New Orleans. So I decided to go to Tulane and got a PhD in psychological science, um, published widely, became a professor at Loyola, uh, won all kinds of accolades for my research on masculinity, and then got bored, got really bored. And I was like, what do I want to do? So I started my first venture, which was a consulting firm where I went around the country um, consulting with ed, uh, education, uh, education school systems. Um, and charter schools and public schools, private schools around the country around education policy, blew that up. Um, and then the podcast had started. And so I was interviewing influential people in New Orleans as well. And so I met the managing partner of uh, the first firm that I worked at, Camelback Ventures. And they were investing in ed tech and education uh, at the time. And my predecessor was actually leaving to take another role within the organization. 
Um, and he was like, you know, I've got this opportunity. Would you think about applying? Um, and I was like, I don't know anything about venture. I don't, I don't know anything, but I know, uh, I know things about education. He was like, well, we can teach you. And that's what happened. So I applied for the job. I got the job. I failed miserably my first year because I didn't know, but I learned, I learned, I drank from a fire hose and it was a wonderful experience. Uh, Ami Magunya was my, uh, uh, was my lead at the time. She was extremely tough on me, but she taught me so much about leadership and venture uh, that I, I couldn't be anything but great at what I was doing. And then the pandemic hit. And so what we did, instead of writing first checks, we decided that we were going to invest back into our portfolio companies. So we created another opportunity to invest back into our founders. I got even better at really understanding how to syndicate deals and how to bring resources to our founders. Um, and so that's how I got into venture. Um, and that's why I love it because we talked about this earlier, uh, Tim and Zach, that founders are everything and they need the support, not only the financial capital, but they need the social capital. They need the connections. They need the community. Um, they need curriculum and, and direction. And that's what I love to do. So I have been able to actually, um, bring all bring together everything that my career has offered me to really really be good at what i do right now uh is finding ways to invest financial and social capital into the most promising founders so they can scale and build the revolutions that we need throughout the world to actually live better lives very cool super powerful what uh, so you've been back couple years now what um what have we improved upon and what what still need what do we still need to focus on to take us to the next the next peg so to speak i gotcha um what do we what have we improved upon that's an interesting thing um you know being gone for 15 years and coming home um i mean it's not the norfolk and virginia beach that i grew up in i don't um that's, that's a very that's a very interesting what have we improved upon i i want to i want to say that we've improved upon housing uh but you know I, I think that that conversation is actually going to become become murky because as we've seen how you know home prices are have skyrocketed here uh because you know talking to my real estate friends uh, our real estate only increased about 1% a year for the, for the longest percent of time where we were behind the country's average in appreciation. And now we're seeing exorbitant appreciation levels with real estate. So I don't know. It's a good question. I, I don't know if I can answer the first question, what we yeah. have approved upon. Um, I know that we have challenges. Uh, I know that, you know, we, we are seven cities and from my opinion, I wish the seven cities would actually work more collaboratively together, particularly around entrepreneurship and investment for founders. If, if we think about the work that we do, um, how can we bring the unicorn companies here? Uh, which starts with, you know, as I talked about the other day uh, with some friends, is it, why is why would it be amenable for someone with a great idea to come and settle and scale here? What do we offer? What do, what do we offer? And I think about when we think about economic development and you know, community and civic development, what do we offer people who are not from here, uh, particularly who may not have a family, but want to come and build something here? Is this the place to do it? Um, 
when you have DC or Richmond or, you know, Atlanta or Charlotte or Raleigh uh, in the vicinity, why come to the Hampton Roads? And, and like you said in your, your piece, we have to do a better, we have to do a better job in telling the story of why Hampton Roads is a place to come scale a unicorn, that the supports can be here, that there are people like you, me, and Zach, and the 757, and Nancy Gurdon, and all, all of the big whales that are here that actually have the ability and thought process to bring, you know, a wonderful collaboration from uh, the ports to our, our military, to um, our, our education, to FinTech, all these different things that can coalesce together to bring us to, to bring us and make us a robust ecosystem for everyone to be able to thrive. So I think there's opportunity, but I would wish that we could actually come together more, that we could sit at tables and not be adverse towards each other. Like my city is better than your city from what I see. And that's a huge challenge. You know, it's almost like, you know, the seven cities need to come together and say, can we be one city? But that's never going to happen. <laughs> you know, one conglomeration. And let's let's figure out how to do this. But when you have seven cities and seven governments that are doing seven different things, thinking about economic development, different ways, how to support entrepreneurs in different ways, it's tough. It is. It is it uh, because we are just we are always looking at everything individually. Where it's just if we were to put the region on the stage as a whole, it, it changes the narrative. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's interesting, especially when you look at drone up. You know, a lot of people are like you know, to your point. Well, drone ups in Virginia Beach, it's uh, it's just, we don't necessarily need to support them because they're not in our city. Or, you know, I would like to see the people that that perhaps that they if they passed on that investment opportunity to still support them mm -hmm. and maybe get or you know the chances are they're going to have to raise again and then you know maybe you didn't get in when the valuation was you know uh, <laughs> ten million but uh, maybe you know there we can still support them yeah you know, I mean that that to me is. The closest the closest unicorn that we're going yeah. to produce and right. we we have to to rally behind that and then find the next unicorn and the next unicorn and the next unicorn and it will change the dynamic of the entire region yeah um i think i think we need to ask the question do we really want to be something bigger and i think there's been a lot of talk that's the same thing over and over again and do does do do the people who are you know I would love your take, Charles. Do they really want? Do they? Do we really want to be bigger? Do we really want to change? From, from what I hear, it seems like the people of Hampton Roads want to be bigger. Uh, right. There's but, certain but the leadership that do right. not because they're they comfortable. Power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it goes back to the goes back to our our, our conversation about the cold shower. Um, you know, I, I think people, as you said, Zach, people are. When people get comfortable, um, I think there are leaders that want to see this. You know, we have, you know, when uh, I, I want to say before I left, there was talks of bringing a, a professional team. Well, what that meant was that we were going to have to raise capital to actually, you know, implode scope and actually build a new arena. Oh, that's going to cost money. Um, but think about what that brings, um, you know, for metropolitan folks that want to have, you know, lively when i say livelihoods opportunities to interact uh in different ways 
and I, we don't we don't have that. I and just to be honest with you, you know, I lived in New Orleans for 15 years. When on a Friday night, I, I want to go hear live music or I want to go do something robust and lively. It's kind of hard to find, particularly from October to May. It, you know, you can go down to the beach during the summertime. That might be stuff. But it's I mean, I really, really got to think, well, I can go to a wine bar. I can go to a steak, uh, a, a steakhouse. But if I really want something, you know, scope and, you know, that's just going to scope is abysmal. It is a horrible place to go watch something like and I love the admirals, but it's not a place. It's not a robust place to go to watch anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's my, but that's my point. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like, do you actually want to get bigger? Because these things that you're talking about are called investments, mm-hmm. right? These things that we're talking about is people, people losing power. Right. And it's at the end of the day, I've lived here since 2007. It's been the same conversation. Yeah. I think the people have different thoughts, but then these people in power, it's just like, what are we doing? Like, just, just, just look in the mirror, like the whole seven cities thing. It's to me, that's the dumbest thing possible. It's like every area in the country that's a metro is not one city. It's a bunch of cities. Like they are, but, but they are unified as one thing. And it's just like the fact that we still have this conversation. It's so comical to me because it's like, Hey, like uh Dallas Fort Worth is one area, right? Virginia, Norfolk, Virginia beach is one area. Oh yeah. By the way, that goes up to Williamsburg. That's okay. Like that's, that's how cities are. Right. And it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's comical to me that we still have this conversation that people say they want one thing, but they don't really do it. And it's just like, do we really want to get bigger? Do we really want to change? And I, I question that the people in charge that make these decisions don't actually want to. It's, I, so yes, and it, let's go all the way back to our initial conversation. You know, a good founder or a good leader is going to listen to their customers. And are they really? Are, are we really, really listening to the folks that say, "Hey, we could be a bigger region. We could have a bigger." A, a bigger place you know, know they're renovating the scope right. right they're not tearing it down they're <laughs> they're renovating it right i mean that's well i mean to me i i back it up even further just in the sense of like where where the population density is is downtown norfolk and so when i see the the curfews and we're shutting the nightlife yeah. down on granby street it's like man we there's many many bigger cities than what we are that have figured it out where people can we're, all be there and enjoy life you know and not just yeah. shut it all down yeah and i've told yeah. you this number before from a population density we're not 37th in the country right when you look at the entire um population we're 37th metro in the country but if you look at the population density we're more like 100 to 120 right so we're a significantly smaller from from a population density perspective and so i don't think we look at that number but it's it's incredibly important when there's a mass amount of people like that's where these collisions happen that's where you have the opportunity to interact yeah. like you said when you don't have that because there's it's well, that's just it. I mean, like, open everything up. Everyone gathers uh, on Granby, you know, and we all talk to one another, and we learn from one another. But instead, we're going to shut everything down, and then we're going to isolate and segregate different pockets of people, yeah. Yeah. and then we don't learn from each other there. And it just, it just, 
in my opinion, worsens the problem. It, it, like the thing that I love so much about Mighty Dream and the thing that I love so much about something oh. in the water brought everyone together. And there yes. was so much yeah. happiness and love and harmony. I mean, it, it was just a beautiful thing. And uh, I, I, I typically agree. I was teaching my venture capital class last night. And one of the one of the questions that came out is like, like we we know like you go to the south by southwest as you go to the family office summits you go to you know you go to the pension uh the, the 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 different summits where you know that high net worth individuals and institutional investors are all going to be but what are those what are those small pockets of places where high net worth individuals go if you are a founder or if you're a gp or general partner in a venture capital firm where you can have these conversations and i was like if i'm thinking where where does that happen here i was like well you know i might have to find a, a private room at the cavalier or like where where does those happen but if i know if i go to dc i can easily get myself into rooms and spaces where you know limited partners are high net worth individuals are and have conversations because there's a there's a cadre of places for people to sit talk drink coalesce eat revel all these different things it's kind of hard to do that here because I, I went to, I, I taught class last night. I was like, I'm going to go get a drink and a meal. And I even, I came down to the town center here in Virginia beach and it was like eight 30 quarter nine. I was like, what time is the, what time is the kitchen closed? She was like in 15 minutes. I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? She was like, no. Like, I was like, it's nine o'clock in town center in town center. I was like, it's nine o'clock. She was like, yeah. So I was like, well, I'm hungry. So, I'll have a drink and scarf down my food and not be able to, you know, interact, but I'm hungry. I was like, I want mm -hmm. to go somewhere. Maybe I wanted to stay for a little while, have another margarita, something. Where am I going to go? Everywhere I go, it seems to be places are closing 930. And I understand that, you know, there, there might be still a worker shortage. I don't know. But how do we create environments where we can have conversations and assembly is trying to do that 757 school live we're, we're trying to have like we had that wonderful event uh right before the build and so many folks came yeah, out that was we great need to do more of that right to highlight what assembly can offer and highlight that there are entrepreneurs and people who are thinking entrepreneurial that want to coalesce together and we also need to bring investors and investment minded folks into that space as well well, I'm glad that uh, I, I don't know who found who, if you found Colab or Colab found you or how all that worked, but I'm glad that uh, th that you're here and that we're all fighting the same fight. Uh, I, I, am I am happy to be here. Um, ironically, getting to 757 Colab is just a, a series of relationships and conversations with folks that began with um, Jerry Cronin. Oh, okay. ODU and someone pointed to me, someone pointed him out, or maybe I was doing some, I think I was doing some research on, on the ecosystem here and was like, what entrepreneurial centers are on campuses? I didn't see anything at Norfolk State really, but I saw the Strom Center. Um, I called Jerry, had a conversation with him. We enjoyed each other. He started pointing me to different folks and I met Monique. Monique and I had a wonderful series of conversations. She said she was leaving 757. Um, and she's like, but stay involved. And so I, I stayed involved. I was mentoring. Um, and then I met Paul and, uh, based on the conversation that Paul had with Monique, Paul and I had dinner 
And we kind of just continued to build our relationship. And he's like, I need some support. I need some help. And I was like, well, here's my background. And this is what I'd like to do. And August 1st, I took the role as the senior venture partner. And we've been rolling ever since. August, oh, so so six months. Yeah. Just over six months. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, all of this, this whole mystery is, is unfolding. Because <laughs> and I mean, I, every time that I saw you, and I think, I don't know, it, it wasn't often. And I'm like, man. I mean, so Zach, when you meet Charles, I mean, Charles it he's a hip guy. You know I mean? He's just one of those guys where you're just like, he's just, you're hip. And, uh, <laughs> you know, rolls up in his, in his Tesla and he's, he's no. dressed, dressed hip. And I'm like, that's my people right there. Who is, who I, is uh, that guy? Who is, who is this yeah. guy? We've got to do a better job though. I talked about, we've got to do a better job of letting people out in the ecosystem know one, who I am and what I do. We haven't done that well because people are like, I don't know what you do. Well, this is, you know, so, you know, we'll, we have to maximize the, uh, this yeah. podcast. So, yeah. I mean, this has been a great episode to get to know you. I mean, I, I really I enjoyed it. it. I appreciate it. I just want to give a shout out to James Doe. Like he brought, he brought this together. So, and uh, I know that he's working tremendously hard for Innerate Hampton Roads and what the, the things that he's doing, what y'all are trying to proliferate. So just a big shout out to him and the work that he's trying to do. Yeah. James has been, uh, he's, running around from from place to place and uh there's there's few people that uh, i have a hard time keeping up with and uh james, <laughs> james is, is puts me to the test yeah it, not uh, an alias that's his real name you know <laughs> right right it uh i've never met him in person tonight's tonight Allegedly. you've never met james in person no <laughs> wow tonight we're gonna make it it's all gonna change uh, well, Apparently, I'm making a comeback tour is, is, is what I've been told. But what happens tonight? What happens tonight? We have our uh, our venture out uh, tonight. What is that? Tell me. Is, is that the three of y'all or just something? No, different? no, no. So venture out, we do it every other month. Um, and it's it's put, uh, sp- primarily sponsored by and put on by Innovate Hampton Roads. Right. Uh, to, it's a networking type of uh, event, but we do it at places that people have never typically have never been before or had a reason to be. And we feature someone to talk about themselves that they may not have a chance to have heard about. So different ventures out. We, we have one at NASA Langley. We had one at the hive in Virginia beach where we had Tom Walker from drone up, talk about drone up and they brought out some drones, uh, Mariners museum. So, uh, yeah, so we're tonight we're at uh, at the Incu Hub at their new location in downtown Hampton, okay. and uh, so is Glazed Donuts going to be open tonight? I don't know, but James has done some great work. We've got uh, from the food standpoint, we got some brown chicken, brown cow. Uh, we've got <laughs> Marker Twenty. Um, That's a great name. Is that really the name of the company? Brown yeah, the restaurant brown chicken brown cow. I love I love that. Well, I, all I'm gonna say is that hey, uh, I want to be involved in this, so please uh let me know how I can be get involved with yeah. the drought. This sounds like this sounds amazing. And we want to yeah, do yeah. more, we want to do more work on the peninsula as well. So I'd love to be a part of it. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's interesting and uh you know how much breaking of bread that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's been a really and that's still ongoing. Uh just establishing trust amongst different organizations because uh, at least from the innovate Hampton roadside, it's like 
we just we just amplify what you're doing. You know, the, the credit still goes to you. We want to tell the world how great you are. Yeah, and so it's been a lot of, of mending fences and building trust. And uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know what happened before, but I mean, I know I've not changed as a person. Yeah, I, I want to raise everyone up and, and do what I can to, to, to help everyone succeed. But um, I think we've turned biggest take my biggest takeaway from this episode is this is the first time Tim has used the word hip. And so Charles, <laughs> congratulations on um hip. Charles is hip. Hip. He's, taking, He's taking, always taking me back to the 70s. No, oh, man, you're always you're always uh rocking something super cool, man. I uh dressed to the nines, all right. Well, you know, I mean yeah, and it's like little things like that I pay attention to. You know, I mean it's just uh I dig the the black leather jacket. Yeah, and, that's my uh, thing, man. I love that. I love that jacket. So are you at assembly every day? What's uh, what's your schedule there? Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm there. Those are my dedicated days. Um, mm -hmm. Monday, when I'm feeling uh, lonely and working from home at the house, I'll go in. But typically Fridays, I'm um, uh, working from home. Um, so you can catch me there half day on Monday, but dedicated days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at assembly. So please come by. Hang out with me. I think I'll be downtown on Wednesday. Yeah, come check Maybe me it's out. It's Thursday next week. Yeah. What day is oh. that? Someday next week. Yeah, we'll we, we have a wonderful coffee coffee spot. Um, yeah, please come down. Love to meet you. Meet you in person. You, you talking three ships? Or you to, uh, yeah, you three ships. Yeah. I've never been to. Uh, is it a latte coffee house? A latte. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been either. I need yeah. to check it out. There's a lot of free publicity coming on this show today. <laughs> rising everybody up <laughs> exactly exactly yeah because typically yeah yeah we'll do three ships and then uh I, I would i tend to do a lot of things at cure just to try to support chris sheldon uh, right okay ironically there's a bar in new orleans called cure it, mm. was, it was it was ranked at one point the t one of the top 10 bars in the country and it was my friday spot um and there was a guy named Brandon who was my favorite bartender. And there's this big picture window. And on Fridays after work, I would go in there for a happy hour. And I would walk past the picture window. I would come in, sit down. And by the time I sat down, my drink was made. That's New Orleans. Wow. That's yeah. Like. I've never been. I've never been. Oh, you got to go. Did close the kitchen close at 9 Southern Charmed. Uh, <laughs> it did not get closed at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> it did not. There, there were times I was in there from 5 to about 1 a.m drinking no, and reveling nothing the matter with that yeah no yes well i look so forward to need that charm? we need it say that again what about southern charm tim the closest i've been to new orleans is watching southern charm new orleans oh yeah and that's that, not that's not anything but that's uh, horrible <laughs> well yeah that's the stuff that i do to spend time with my wife so uh, <laughs> nothing wrong hey nothing wrong with that self-accusation partner <laughs> partnership and self-accusation i like that i like that Oh gosh! Well, I look forward to uh, having a cocktail with you at some time soon, yeah, Charles. Definitely. And uh, in the meantime, I'll, I'll settle going to assembly. We'll take my chances on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays right. uh, to, to run into you there. Gotcha. I appreciate it. Thank you for thanks, having me. Yeah, thanks for making two hundred special. Yes, that's right. That's right. Two hundred. I feel great about that. There you go. The best. The best two hundred. <laughs>